got a lot of kicks to the head mankind that's like <laughs> that's like at least 10 years after the subject material oh today. shit oh, I, oh, I thought we were doing Wrestlemania he wasn't in the first Wrestlemania oh we're doing the first we're not even doing Wrestlemania itself. Well, you leave it to yeah. me, okay? <laughs> yes, Steve, I am very excited because you, you, you've, you've, been, uh, you've been somewhat aloof in terms of the specifics on this, but I am very excited to hear all about this week's episode. Good. I'm not going to intro the episode, though. I'm going to let you intro You're going to let me intro the yeah. episode? Yeah, I'm tired of... I did it I last did it time. one day. <laughs> I, did it, I did it last time, and I just feel... It just feels, it feels wrong. I feel like Nick needs to do it. But Steve, you had such a, you had such an authoritative voice and presence. I was just gonna hand off the responsibility to you from here on out. You can research every episode. You can provide and 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 we'll sit in the sidelines and provide the provide the little quips and jabs that come yeah, out of nowhere. Yeah, no, I, I'm not going to do that yeah. all the time. No. <laughs> well, as it is my solemn duty, Steve, and for you, I will do so. Ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the Song Topsy Report, where we dissect bad, bizarre, or otherwise noteworthy music to figure out how it died. I'm your host, Nick Brigadier. I'm Mike Russell. And I'm Jesse the Body Ventura, coming to you straight from the antenna array placed in my brain by my reptilian masters. Yeah, it's so unfortunate <laughs> Stephen couldn't make it this week, but we're very happy to have you, Jesse. Uh, if this is your first time listening to the podcast, thank you guys so much for joining us. And if you have listened to us before, please consider leaving us a review on Apple Podcasts, or at the very least, checking out our new website. Ooh, uh, yeah, it's looking fancy. Nick's done a great job with this website, folks. Let me tell you. Yeah, dumbstupididiots.com. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, .net. <laughs> yeah, that domain expired. Uh, yes, no, you can go to the thesongtopsreport.com. It will still take you there, but you can also just check out dapperdevilproductions.com where you can see all of the content that we are creating. But this being the Song Topsy Report, we are here to discuss bad, bizarre, or otherwise noteworthy music, and Stephen has, uh, has taken the charge on this one. Or will we? <laughs> um, is this our first episode on good music, <clears throat> Steve? Yeah. No, uh, th- no, it isn't. This is... Um, so I, I, I requested to do this episode because uh, I've been meaning to do something like this for a while. And given that uh, a, the weekend of where the week this episode airs, this will air on Monday, and then that weekend will be uh, WrestleMania 35, to which I will attend. Whoa! Because it's, in, it's a MetLife Stadium. So it was my birthday Christmas present... And I will be going to enjoy eight straight hours of professional wrestling. Holy shit. Eight straight <laughs> hours. It will be the last bit of wrestling I will probably watch for the rest of this year. How deep in the bag of wrestlers does WrestleMania get? I mean, are we talking like they're pulling out people who haven't been? It's the showcase of the immortals, Mike. They need everyone on deck to get that WrestleMania payola. But Steve, what does WrestleMania have to do with this week's episode? Nothing. Anyway, on to <laughs> WrestleMania in 19. 19- no. Um, so I figured, in honor of that, um, we did we did an episode about a year or so ago about the Macho Man Randy Savage. Oh yeah. We're not going to talk about the Macho Man macho at all today. Man. We're not going to talk about him, but we will talk like him because my voice is going because I've been sick for a long time. So uh, we will be discussing. A very specific time period in in the history of uh, of wrestling. Um, we're talking about the Rock and Wrestling Connection era. Uh, specifically, we will be discussing the wrestling album one and two. The wrestling the, is that album. what it's called? The wrestling album. The wrestling album. Now that's what I call wrestling. <laughs> Volume one. <laughs> so the year is 1985. And the World Wrestling Federation, as it was known then, before the World Wildlife Fund spanked them in court. Oh, I miss the WWF um, days, man. Uh, Simpler time. Has been slowly but surely dominating on a national level what was once a country of pre- purely regional promotions. The Had way, it in a headlock. Yeah. The way wrestling used to work, Mike, uh, I'm ignoring Nick, uh, <laughs> talk to you directly. <clears throat> the way wrestling used to work uh, for the most part of the 20th century is... Uh, different parts of the country had their own regional promotions headed by like 
probably like a family. It was a little bit like the mob, actually. Each of them were like run by a, a, a promotion was run by a family of wrestlers or a someone who was part of a wrestling family that is in. in uh, they all basically struck a deal that formed what was known as the National Wrestling Alliance, which was sort of like a non-aggression pact between all of them to be like, you keep your guys over here. We keep our guys over here. If we want to trade people, we'll work out a deal. That sort of thing, like real hands-off, like cutthroat type stuff. Um, that changed around uh, the early 80s with the WWF, which at the time was the Northeast promotion. That was like the New York, Connecticut area. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that was Vincent, originally Vincent J. McMahon's, at this point in time, Vincent Kennedy McMahon's purview. Wait. having He having purchased it from his father. Ah. So he was really pushing his... He was really, he basically said, all right, enough of this crap. I'm basically doing away with all of this, like, non-aggression, hands-off business, and I'm going to aggressively put all of my competitors out of business and take all their talent. Oh, man. Oh, yeah. man. So, is, so, is he, so he's a so bad he went, man. So he went heel. Not yet. In kayfabe, yes. Oh, no, I meant he became like a heel in real life. <laughs> yes. In heel life. In, in real life, he became... Wrestling, pro wrestling as a whole, the great, like the Lex Luthor of wrestling. And we'll get into Vince by the uh, towards the end of the show. Vince has a lot of sides to him. Uh, and some of it's good and some of it's bad. We're going to get into Is he also perchance a performer? He may or may not. We'll see. So, uh, so after signing a resurgent Hulk Hogan after his appearance in the film Rocky III, uh, Vince McMahon's next great expansion would come as a result of a chance encounter one that would eventually lead to what is known as the Rock and Wrestling Connection. Now, in 1983, uh, wrestling manager Captain Lou Albano met pop star Cindy Lauper in Puerto Rico, where they struck up a friendship. <laughs> uh, Lauper invited Albano to appear in her music video for Girls Just Want to Have Fun. He plays her dad in that video. What? I didn't know that, actually. Yeah. At the time, MTV was beginning its own rise, um, and McMahon sensed the possibilities. So he booked Lauper to appear on a segment of Piper's Pit, which was a talk segment hosted by one Rowdy Roddy Piper, one of the greatest figures in all of wrestling history. Uh, he sort of pioneered this like talk segment where like wrestlers would have their own talk show to just act out their worst impulses. <laughs> so Wait, it's like it's like a talk show today. Exactly. So they'd be like sitting down, doing an interview, and then get up and smash each other through a table on set? Yeah, so... Oh, yes. that's awesome. So, like... <laughs> Mike is 100% on board with everything so far. And if you want, uh, th- I have a clip here of, of Cindy Lauper on Piper's Pit. Just a, just a few seconds, just to get... So you can get a sense as to what was brewing here. This man is a liar. I'm not calling him a liar. I don't want to get mad. Now, don't get me mad. Get- wait a second. We don't care who gets mad. I'll tell you something. Just wait a second, young lady. I don't care what you think. A minute, Cindy. I want you to be honest. Tell them how I took you abroad, hanging around New York. What? Abroad? Abroad? Oh. Go ahead, tell them a barroom broad naked, Cindy. Go ahead, Cindy. Tell them to Cindy. Oh. Oh, she's beating him. She is smashing him in the head. She's pulling nipples. So that was uh, Cindy Lauper on Piper's Pit, and Captain Lou Albano was the one screaming. Uh, he called her abroad, which caused her to lose her cool and smash him over the head with her purse. Uh, this uh, segment spawned a series of uh, of wrestling matches where Cindy Lauper would act as like a she would show up and she would be like on the ringside, and like she she had like her person in the ring, and Captain Lou had his person in the ring, and it was basically you know a grudge match. Uh, and, which, and several times that purse was used as a foreign object that, let me tell you, in pro wrestling, especially in the middle, uh, mid to, mid-80s to mid-90s, a woman's accessory was like a nuclear bomb. <laughs> like if you had, a woman had an accessory at ringside and she hit a wrestler in the head with it, they were dead to the world. <laughs> <laughs> this purse, uh, which soon became known as the Purse of Doom, the purse of doom. <laughs> what is she put in that purse, man? What kind of okay, things are there? Okay, it's beta Yeah, Lauper would get involved in numerous wrestling events, including a lot which were televised on MTV, which was at the time the first time live wrestling was broadcast on cable. Up until then, 
it was uh, there wasn't so much live wrestling as like pre-recorded and then aired on like local stations and things like that. This would lead to other wrestlers subsequently showing up in other Cyndi Lauper music videos, including the ones for The Goonies Are Good Enough and Time After Time. Cyndi Lauper's involvement also brought with her her manager and boyfriend at the time, David Wolfe, who was a huge wrestling fan. And he pitched the idea for a wrestling album. Okay. Where the songs would be sung by the wrestlers and used as their themes. Well, up until that point, sorry, go ahead. I was just going to say, well, I guess if they can wrestle, they must be able to sing. Not <laughs> right? So, uh, I think one of the reviews, like the variety review for this album was uh as as singers go, these are pretty good wrestlers. Was I think the the ultimate the ultimate review of the of these albums. Up to this point, wrestlers using theme music wasn't actually common. We we think of it as just a thing that happens nowadays. Oh, hell yeah! But it wasn't up until like the mid '80s. And it, oh man, what kind of what kind of theme song would you have, Steve? Like I feel like I've asked you that before, but oh, Moonlight Sonata. <laughs> hey, it's in the public domain. I could use yes. it. <clears throat> yeah, that's hard, Mike. Why you gotta ask me questions? I have to think about for hours. On a show that we got to record. It's a musical hour. podcast. Are you saying you haven't been thinking about this every single time? It's like that meme with the, with the guy sleeping on his side. The one's like, he's probably thinking about other women. And then he's like, but what would my wrestling theme be? That's you, Steve. You're that guy. It depends on the character. Because it well, see, you're obviously character. a heel. You're obviously the villain of every scenario. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. <laughs> I picture you with a cape for some reason. Like the, fa- I'd be like the Phantom. Ooh. I'd probably use phantom music then. <laughs> what is fa- dun, 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 yeah. dun. <laughs> oh, Yes. You'd have the crazy laughter and stuff. Like I would essentially just steal like Sting's gimmick from the mid nineties when he was the crow, where I would just hide in rafters and show up and dress all in black and white. I'd just be Sting. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty just sure I'd just be Sting. No, 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 you could be the Phantom and your 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 OP wrestling move is no matter where you're wrestling, no matter what stadium it is, there's always a chandelier that you can pull out of nowhere and smash into your opponent. It just descends from the ceiling. Oh, and the Phantom with a chandelier! <laughs> uh, I will take that under consideration. Please do. Um... But uh, oh my god, there could be like a different kind of chandelier every time too. Like, oh man! And one time his tag team partner could be on it and write it down. (laughs) It's Jean Valjean. It's just all musical. Oh man, that's a tag team right there. (laughs) Oh, listen! If Rey Mysterio could have the six one nine, then Jean Valjean could have the two four six zero one. Two four six zero one. We gotta stop this, and we gotta come up with a <laughs> yeah. Musical I'm sorry. Episode over. Personas. Episode over. <laughs> All right, but it wasn't common until the early '80s, and even then, they used pre-existing popular music, so rock songs and things like that. Uh, but it wasn't until the product began to get popular on TV and pay-per-view that they had to pivot to self-produced music. I feel like my plosives are really bad right now. Uh, presumably, <laughs> they had pick, to, pick every p <laughs> word you know. <laughs> to get popular on TV and pay-per-view, <laughs> they had to pivot to self-produced music. Presumably. To Stop. avoid costly copyright and to make money themselves by like producing their own music, they could then sell that music instead of spending money to buy other people's music. And did I did that idea come from the Piper Pit? Uh, no, um, it uh, uh, preposterous. Perchance. <laughs> uh, it's proprietary. Uh, so proprietary. A lot of a lot a lot of indie wrestlers these days still use popular music because they perform on like lower lower circuits where yeah. there's not as much there's not as much chance of getting sued essentially because you're in a about, VF- the, about the yeah. same level that we are yeah you're in like a VFW <laughs> you're like a v, in a VFW hall yeah and no one's gonna care if you're using uh you know some like some sort of song but some rep from Atlantic Records just happens to be there yeah and he ooh ooh so David Wolf, uh, her manager and boyfriend uh, pitched the idea for a wrestling album where the songs would be sung by wrestlers and uses their own themes uh, while prepping for the first WrestleMania, where the whole rock and wrestling connection really came to a head, uh, <clears throat> he approached wrestling manager and former musician, the mouth of the South, Jimmy Hart. Uh, Jimmy Hart, for those of you who don't know, real, like, crazy-ass guy, dresses 
in crazy like heart covered like tuxedos. Hearts? Yeah. He's got a he's got like a bullhorn is his big thing. Like he would just show up and annoy the shit out of people shouting into their faces <laughs> with bullhorn. Oh, um, that's great. <laughs> but he was also he's also a former musician to a band called the Gentries. So he would inevitably actually go on to produce not inevitably, but he would go on to uh, after this event produce wrestler theme music for the company at large for years afterward. So David Wolf would also bring on board producer Rick Derringer, uh, who people uh, may know uh, from uh, uh, he he was a singer on the song Rock and Roll Hoochie Coo, the song Rock and Roll Hoochie Coo. Yeah, I feel like there's a generational gap between me and my co-hosts right now. <laughs> but he was the singer on that. Um, he was also the producer for Weird Al's Eat It and Fat. Okay, now you're talking about well, yeah. <laughs> one Grammys for those. And uh, so he was brought on uh, to produce this album. So you got like actual musicians in producing this Grammy award winning produce. Granted, they're Grammys for like novelty songs, which makes sense given the context of this. Um, Wait, you're saying these aren't <laughs> heartfelt ballads from people who had a mu- musical passion their whole life? Oh, I am dying to hear one of these wrestlers sing. Okay, so first we're gonna. Uh, I just I bring this one up just as this is a little. This is for me. This is a nugget for me. <laughs> It's uh, not for you, listeners. This is for Steve. Shut up, everyone listening. I know listening and shutting up don't yeah. mix, but... <laughs> All right, you people listening to the podcast, shut up. <laughs> shut up with your listening. Uh, so one of the songs on the first... We'll talk about both the wrestling albums because there was a sequel. Uh, the first song on the first album we're going to talk about is is not a song with lyrics, so I won't I won't talk about it for too long. But this was Hulk Hogan's, Hulk Hogan's original theme. Lyrics, the only lyric that matters is being repeated over and over. Oh! Oh! So that was Hulk Hogan's original theme music. Now God, I'm I, going can, to... I can feel the spandex oh. sweat in my face just listening to that. Now I'm going to play you a song called Ravishing by the artist Bonnie Tyler. No! She can't get away with that. <laughs> now, if you're wondering why that is the exact same song, because it is uh, <clears throat> the the composer of that piece of music that was used as Hulk Hogan's theme was by Jim Steinman. What? Uh, who we mentioned several times on this podcast. Uh, the uh, Mike has a blank look on his face. Jim Steinman, the guy... Meatloaf music, oh. all, like the like the Wagnerian rock music, uh, who also wrote music for Bonnie Tyler. So that is why. Wait, he wrote that? He wrote that. He wrote Hulk Hogan's original. Original theme. <laughs> yeah. The man can do it all. I am a huge <laughs> Jim Steinman fan because the man writes, man can write wrestling themes. He can write 10-minute power ballads. He can make Meatloaf sexy. The, he yeah, writes that, that's he, his greatest accomplishment. He can do he can write musicals about vampires. He's done it all. Um so that was just a little fun thing for me. A little fact. What do you have for the listeners? But for the listeners, now for a lot of people that might not be familiar as what you consider to be Hulk Hogan's theme song because most people are thinking of this song. All of our listeners better be marching in place right now. I can't hear it without doing like weird swoosh things with my and cupping my hand to my ear. (laughs) I can't. It's physical. I don't even realize I'm doing it while I hear it, and then pointing at a crowd that doesn't exist. Um. So this song is called "Real American." 
uh, composed and performed by Rick Derringer, uh, the rock and roll hoochie coo guy who produced all this music. Uh, this song uh, was on the first wrestling album. Uh, now and, that's what I call wrestling. Yeah. <clears throat> and when uh, Rick Derringer wrote it, he wrote it with his uh, songwriting partner at the time, wasn't for this album. They just wrote the song and they just thought, wow, we just wrote the most kick-ass patriotic song of all time. Move over, Star Spangled Banner. And I think this was before uh, Proud to be an American, before that. What? Yeah, I can't so. think of a time before <clears throat> Proud to be an American. Yeah. So they're like, we just wrote the most kick-ass patriotic song ever. This is gonna be this is gonna this is gonna be like played in stadiums. And then they had it, and while they were making this album, they were like, ah, we need a new track, we need another track for the album. Do you guys got anything? And it was the only thing they had previously prepared. So I'm like, I guess we could use this, thinking that it would just go on the album and then they could use it later. So unfortunately, this was uh this when this album dropped, it was heard by one. Hulk Aeneas Hoganus, which I think is his Latin name. Hulk Aeneas Hogan, yeah. Oh, yeah. Hulk Aeneas Hoganus, um, who thought this is, let me tell you something, brother. I've heard a lot of songs in my time, but this song, this is my song. I don't know why I sound like Jesse the Body Ventura. This is the only voice I can do. So then he, well, he heard this and he threw out that ravishing Bonnie song. Yeah. And was and like, this is, this is. And this was in the mid '80s, so this is Hulk Hogan in in media Hulkamania. Yes, uh, I'm using a lot of Latin for some reason, but uh, it was like the middle of like Hulk Hogan has to constantly be in front of an American flag at all times for the children, <laughs> for America, <clears throat> for the American children, for these yes. American babes. Um, so it was eventually co-opted, and now it is synonymous with Hulk Hogan to the point where years later. Rick Derringer is still kind of like, I was really hoping this would be more than just a pro wrestling theme, but I guess it is what it is forever now. Yes, even the video we are <clears throat> viewing to look at this says, Hulk Hogan, I am a real American. Yeah, this is just synonymous. So uh, we got a lot to go through, so I won't play the whole song, but we definitely got to get to some of these lyrics. Are you are you laughing at the concept of Americans fighting for the rights of every man, <laughs> Mike? Go back to Russia. I can imagine being at like the like uh, at the border. Let's say the Canadian border. Yeah. <laughs> yes, let's yes, <laughs> let's and, do that. And you lost your passport while visiting, and you're trying to get back across. And you're like, I'm a real American. Prove it. <laughs> <laughs> Beating up the yeah. border security guys. <laughs> Although that being said, wait, this man is assaulting us without provocation? He is an American. Yeah. <laughs> They're like, I, I had my I had my doubts, yes. but that's a real American. <laughs> this is definitely a song that you can use to also make fun of America. Like the problem with America the problem with like super super pro American patriotic songs is that they're inevitably written in such a way that you can just throw out as many like, okay, but really, America, kind of, like, he's like, I am a, re like, fight for the rights of most humans. Yes. <laughs> it depends on the decade. Well, because he also literally just said, um, if you hurt my pride, I will fight you, basically. Which, let me tell you, nobody's pride is more easy to hurt than American pride. Yeah. <laughs> We're vulnerable, you know? We're... <laughs> it really takes an outside perspective to think how crazy it is that we even have the concept of American exceptionalism. That's just crazy. That's weird. That Americans think there's literally something special about America that other countries don't have. And that, like, it's not like a concept. It's like, no, American exceptionalism is a thing. You know, what's wrong with patriotism, Nick? What's wrong with love? love it's because it's two it, steps removed from nationalism. Yeah. <laughs> and really, hey, you, but that's two steps. You, <laughs> we don't have to take those steps. <laughs> yeah, man. That's very subjective. <laughs> he didn't say which side he's on. Yeah. I feel strongly about right and wrong. 
<laughs> okay. <laughs> He's got my vote. This, objectively speaking, you just can't fit in, objectively speaking, in the meter. I feel strong about right and wrong, objectively speaking, depending on the context of the situation. Trouble Fight for the right to tape my sex. <laughs> <laughs> As every, I guess, person should be able to, right? Yes. Right, guys? Right? <laughs> right, guys? Mike right? is looking desperately both of us for validation. <laughs> and Nick and I are going to YouTube right now. <laughs> I'm surprised YouTube didn't flag this, but okay. <laughs> Gotta go to Mike's Pornhub account for that one. Hot podcaster. <laughs> they only flag it if it's bad, Nick. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so that was that was a little bit of a, a real American. Uh, Eventually, I, it became uh, Hulk Hogan's theme. I love that song. I'm a big fan. Yeah, now, so far so good. Uh, now that's now, what I call wrestling. But notice that song was not sung by a wrestler. Yeah, that I thought that's what wasn't. Uh, I had to talk about it. A because someone actually like DM'd me about it, so I was like, all right. And two, because it's just, you have to, if you're going to talk about wrestling music, you, gotta t- you just got to talk about that. And don't, an audience, don't get me wrong, there is way more bad wrestling music for us to talk about. I am purposefully limiting myself to like a three-year span. Because like, there is all sorts of shit. Like, we're not going to talk, we're not even going to talk about Sexy Boy. <gasps> we're not going to talk about... Sexy Boy! We're not talking about anything past like 1987. What's the uh, ass man? We're talking about. We're not talking about Mr. Ass. We we gotta do that one at some point though. Mr. Ass. (laughs) Mr. Ass. Badass Billy Gunn. That was his. That was his singles run. Um, he likes to hit him. He likes to squeeze him. (laughs) Oh, I'm so good. (laughs) Uh, so we're gonna get to an actual. Uh, wrestler singing now. This is uh, this song uh, is performed by uh, the Junkyard Dog, uh, who was a very popular uh, wrestler in the Mid South promotion in the in the early '80s. He was actually the first uh, black person to headline a promotion. So usually, wow. you know, I mean, I'm not wow, saying so. there were there were there were black wrestlers, but this was the first guy to like get to such a level of stardom that and uh, he was like the top guy the top dog at his ah. particular promotion. Uh, when he made the move to World Wrestling Federation, didn't quite, didn't quite translate, but he, he remained while he was there an extremely popular figure. Uh, he was known primarily uh, for like his headbutts. He had this headbutt move where uh, he would knock someone to the, where he would, his, like he had a power slam, which I think was his finisher. And actually like he had the word wham on his tights because that was basically like the, the like he would do the the big power slam move and the whole audience would go wham like when he fell <laughs> on the ground and so like eventually made its way onto his tights. I wonder if the audience would have chanted whatever he had written on his tights. Yeah, juicy. <laughs> uh, and uh, or the like the couple like, like the guys in like the big uh, like sportatoriums who are like too far back. It's like does that say spam? I think it says spam. Spam. <laughs> Everyone starts bringing like the spam containers, yeah. you know, like <laughs> clam. Um, and then once they were on the ground, and you know, like uh, you know, they they don't know where they are. He would get down on all fours like a dog and like run at the person with his head like a like a pachycephalosaurus. Oh like, yeah, that's the frame of reference that I immediately jumped the to. The dinosaur too. with a big with a big oh, head like, bone. That's like a bald. Yeah, uh, he would just like get down on all fours and like a dog run at someone head first and like headbutt them in the temple. It does not look painful whatsoever, but it was devastating. <laughs> um, what an <laughs> what, uh, innovator! Yes, uh, but he was very popular. He was a very popular uh, baby face or good guy. He was a good guy wrestler. Uh, so this <laughs> oh, when he come good out, guy gets on all fours and head spots people. <clears throat> I wish he had like a couple of Rottweilers with him when he would come That's out. That's his finisher. He has dogs maul his opponent. <laughs> Just a maul. <laughs> uh, he actually got it. He it was uh, he got his uh, that name. Uh, it used to be a nickname from when he worked as like a uh, uh, he worked like construction, like scrapping. So like that's where like the nickname came from. Um, but he's very he's very popular at the time and. Uh, 
And this is the song that was uh, written for him and that he performed called Grab Them Cakes. <laughs> wait, 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 wait. No explanations. Well, I started this dance in my neighborhood. Now everybody's doing it because it feels so good. All you need is a partner that know how to and the rest are real easy. Just stick the groove. And when you get yourself started, it's hard to start. You just go for your partner. You know what? And then you G R A B T A G M C A K E S. A what? No explanation needed, Mike. Grab them cakes. It's all. Just spell out. Grab them cakes. I didn't know cakes was. You know, an uh, innuendo for butt. I don't think I don't think it is, well, but it is here. Yeah, because nothing you mentioned about uh, him as a wrestler indicated he had uh, any affinity for cakes. No, there was no butt. There was no cake. Innuendo there was no otherwise. butt grabbing. There, nothing. That none of that was part of his gimmick. He just There's, really liked cakes, and, and he like, wanted to express that I, in song. Like dogs don't even eat cakes. You know what I mean? Like or, they will if you put it in front of them. Dogs will eat anything if you put it in front of them. This is true. Oh, you don't give him chocolate cake though, man. Then <laughs> he <laughs> clarifies in the second verse: vanilla only. <laughs> Grab them cakes. You know, Jesus, this Christ. Listen. This song's education. <laughs> Sex ed instructor Mike Russell just plays this song. Any questions? Some ladies want you to grab the cakes, guys. Okay? He's got to grab a hold. Also, cakes are typically flat-ish. Well, it's we, hard to grab Some flat. cakes yeah, have You're grabbing the cakes. pancakes. You're grabbing the cakes. This could be a five-layer <laughs> cake. Okay? I stand corrected. Could, <laughs> could be a... <laughs> what other kind of cakes we got out there? I mean, there's a angel food cake. There's a wedding cake. What? Whoa! A... Could you imagine grabbing some wedding cakes? Jesus! I mean, I'm not ready for that kind of commitment. <laughs> that's. I think you need surgery to get that. <laughs> it's like a yeah. That's a that's like a Kardashian cake, right? You need there. to that's... go. You need to go to like South America to get that that surgery done. <laughs> Fuck you, Mike. <laughs> oh, Steve, that was quick. <laughs> What a save. <laughs> wasn't a save. You didn't let me finish before you started going off half Before you grabbed that proverbial cake. I didn't. <laughs> wasn't we know where Steve's mind's at. Uh, get, wanna... your, get your head out of the batter, Steve. <laughs> I want to get more cakes. I'm in show off living color. Well, you move to the left. Take it back now, y'all. You just go for your partners, you know what? Cake. This? Turns out you can have your cake and eat wait, it too. Wait, yeah. wait, wait, junkyard dog. I I don't know what. What are you talking about? Oh, okay. Thank you. <laughs> it's sex ed and kindergarten spelling. <laughs> what kind of dance is this? Was it? It's sexual assault. That's it's the dance. <laughs> She's telling him to squeeze real hard. And she it's is. also, the word partner is used, so it's, it's suppose, presumably you are part of a duo. I implies some kind of consent, yeah. <laughs> but yeah. I just love the sex. It still just sounds very aggressive. I don't, well, some people like it rough, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> so I like how he's going to step to the left, step to the right, and then just squeeze, man. It's just like, Listen, it's like it, a bear hug. When it comes to a cake, you know, and you're mixing, some people spoon, and... Uh, and some people just go in with a blender. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so this was written for him. Yes. He, he didn't go to the songwriters and say, listen, I, I just I really want to talk about cakes. It's like, I'm really... Specifically grabbing them and making sure people understand it so I can spell it out as well. You know, I find yeah. that I'm the only person who's calling ass 
asses cakes, and I really need this to spread. I really out. want the zeitgeist to cling to this, like I do to cakes. As far as I could tell, when I was researching, and I, I wasn't a, I wasn't an expert on the junkyard dog, so I couldn't tell you. As far as I could tell, this had nothing to do with any gimmick or catchphrase or anything. This was just a snappy song the guys on this album wrote, and he was like, "I'll do that one." I like that. G R A B T H E M C A K E S. We're gonna move on to. Uh, Pile Driver, the wrestling album two, the sequel. Two years later, <laughs> 1980, yeah, <laughs> 1987. Um, the, the first one was so good, we needed. It a went gold. <laughs> Jesus, yeah. the wrestling album went gold. It was a very, it was a novelty album, but it's still like. I guess at the time, yeah, that I could see that being. <laughs> and a like novelty. I said, it was at the height of '85, the first WrestleMania. They were bleeding into the mainstream. They were getting on MTV. Like, kids were getting into it. They were making their parents get into it. Also, it was before, like, iTunes, where you had, like, a 30-second preview. So I, probably everyone went blind into this. Right. So <laughs> it's the only reason it sold so much. Uh, they had to buy the whole album. Um, so uh, but many of the songs on part two were written by Jim Johnston. So instead of uh, uh, the, the, the first album, he was involved in it, but he didn't write uh, most of the songs. This one, he wrote the majority of them. He would eventually go on to be the WWF's uh, like music production guy, like the head of their music production suite, who, uh, for the company's most popular era, he would go on to produce all of the themes that pretty much most of our listening audience is familiar with, who are wrestling fans. Uh, I Won't Do What You Tell Me To, Stone Cold's theme, The Rock's theme, Triple H's original theme, the DX, like any Attitude Era all those songs, that guy. He was doing that well into like the mid-2000s for the company. He must have made a whole <laughs> lot of dough doing that, man. Those are some good songs. Well, but he did it for the company. So the company owns those rights. He probably oh. doesn't. It was probably for higher work. Yeah, He got a paycheck. Yeah, he got a paycheck. He was like, he got a job. Uh, so the first song we're going we're gonna to dive into a little is the eponymous song, Pile Driver. And... For those of you listening at home, if you can, go to the music video now because you're going to want to watch this too. Wait, whose theme was this? Oh, sorry. I should say that. So this this was performed by the Birdman, Coco Beware. Why was he called the Birdman? Uh, because he would come to the ring in a like a feather jacket, a half feather bolo jacket with a, a stuffed like macaw on his shoulder. <laughs> <clears throat> Why not? Sure. Um, it is Coco B, his middle initial B, where, W-A-R-E. Uh, so this is his theme and is performed by him. The music video has nothing to do with this, mind you. Sometimes love is like a slow <laughs> wait, wait, wait. Wow, that that was quite a journey he took us on to get there. So that that was Birdman singing. That was Coco Beware. Yeah, Coco Beware. Um, it sounds <laughs> love sounds like a pile driver. Yeah. Is that what I heard? The, both both of the ones on this album, by the way, were the ones I couldn't get the lyrics for. So we're gonna have to we're gonna have to l- listen a little bit hard for our, us to figure it out. But can can we go over <laughs> some of the the lyrics that just came? So it sounds like a fight. Sounds yeah. like tiptoeing in the night. Sounds like this whole this whole song is a very very thinly disguised uh, uh, metaphor for sex, for love and sex. They're they're like a pile driver. I don't know if you got that part. God, like yeah. love can be this, love can be that, but sometimes it's loud, sometimes it's hard, and sometimes it cracks your neck. Sometimes it it's, crushes your skull. You know, he's not he's not wrong. <laughs> but it's funny. You might you might speak from experience. <laughs> it's, it's, it's funny. Like, you know, when the in this music video, the people are driving in, everyone's getting super pissed, and then you know, I'm I was expecting something like uh, you know like rough and tough and then it's like kind of it's a little love it's a, it's a love song. <laughs> 
It's and, and for those just dancing with the sludgehammer, like yeah, which isn't even a pile video, driver. It's in a construction yard. There's people driving through. I don't. I'm, I'm Every little... one of those is a wrestler. Okay, those are all. Uh, there was you saw you saw Hulk Hogan, uh, the guy in the back of the car with the weird jacket and the glasses. That's Jimmy Hart. From I mentioned before, mouth of the South, Jimmy Hart, the honky tonk man's in the front of the convertible driving. Uh, I noticed at least um, superstar uh, uh, Billy Graham in there. Uh, and quite a few other uh, popular wrestlers of the day. And... Sometimes love It just feels fake First you think you're so strong But something for goes it. wrong It feels like a great big mistake ah. <laughs> TV, <love>. baby! <laughs> what was I thinking? <laughs> I rushed it. I rushed it. <laughs> I shouldn't have pile drive so fast. Uh, uh, the fun bit in the music video there is all of the wrestlers committing homicide by burying someone alive in cement. Yeah. The foreman on the construction site. Oh, is that the people in the car? No, there was a, that was all the wrestlers on the construction site who were getting tired of the boss man poking them in the shoulder and telling them they've got to get back to work. So that's, they, the, that's their finisher. And they're buried in cement. <laughs> yeah. So Hulk Hogan just bit, tries to like drown the guy in liquid cement. That wasn't even in the script. Hulk Hogan no. just kind of did that. There he is. Oh. There he is, boys. Wow, a young Vince McMahon. Vincent Kennedy McMahon. His, his himself is in this music video, dude. He has I aged told you. very well, but he looks the same almost. Like, <laughs> I, you, see, you can notice. You definitely notice it now. But I years I, of scowling have taken. He their did toll. look like this for the majority of like the '90s and early 2000s. Like for like up until like the last five to ten years, he looked like this, <laughs> whistling at the ladies walking by. <laughs> yeah, he's whistling. <laughs> Meanwhile, some of the other, just his <clears throat> face. I know he's cut kind yeah. of. A, Someone, uh, uh, some of the other wrestlers are like averting their eyes. Like, oh, I'm married. I can't. But yeah, that was Pile Driver. So now we're moving on to our final, our final one. Uh, and this is the one I really wanted to get to. So for our final uh, entry here on uh, the Wrestling Album 2, we have what, since the day it came out in 97, and there's no music video or anything for it, what we're going to play here is actually the live performance of this single from the 1987 Slammy Awards, <laughs> which were at their uh, inception a parody award show. So they put pro, the WWF put on their own Grammy Oscar parody award show for their own for their music and for you know like best you know I don't know best <clears throat> overall performer of the year best you know suplex little things like that basically just making fun of the genre. Uh, like everyone dressed up as far as wrestlers dress up, like in costume and stuff, and uh, and they got a little they get little trophies. Uh, so this is the live performance of Stand Back. What a production! Wow. Um, there are dancers, oh, there's saxophones. There's like it's 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 like so a, the yeah the horn section. Is, everyone on the stage is they're all you know the different wrestlers. Like the horn section, we got Macho Man, we got uh, Brutus Beefcake. Yeah, uh, they all have the instruments they're miming. Yeah, like um, and on but however, the only one who is not miming is Hulk Hogan, who he's playing who, the guitar. Who he, he's yes. playing. He's laying down the bass. He plays a bass guitar. He's slapping the bass. He's slapping huh? the bass, man. Um, who, uh, and yeah, so this, this very quickly becomes all about him as you'll see. But so that's, that's Vince, Vincent Kennedy, man, looking like 
like uh oh yeah puffed collar black vest like a 1970s game show host in the green room after the show basically Uh, and this song, the context, the the content of the song basically describes uh, if if Vince's actual theme song that everyone's familiar with, "No Chance in Hell," is no perfect, chance. yeah, is perfectly no suited to his on-camera heel persona. This song is perfectly suited to what he actually did when we were talking before about like taking over yeah. all of the other like properties and whatnot. But in a way, this uh, you said this. Oh, that also made him sound like a heel a little bit, right? Because he was right. kind of taking over <clears throat> and becoming the dictator of wrestling. Yeah, it's but it's but it's he sounds so uplifting, like, yeah, like the like underdog. This, like, yeah. this is this is like this is like image rehab. Like, how do I turn this thing I did, which was put a bunch of people out of business, into making me seem like the greatest businessman that has ever lived in song form? And it's this. Some, uh, some veiled threats right there. Yeah. Right? Uh, <laughs> but and, in song form. And unlike it's... unlike Penny McLean, Vince McMahon always knows where the camera is. <laughs> this man is no amateur. Yes. I think world leaders now should like... Stand back. Should should put on a nice musical performance before enacting in a, a thin of war. You know what I mean? <laughs> like just... That seems like something that like North Korea might actually do. <laughs> or who knows? America too. Jimmy, shaking that ass, Vince. Oh, that oh, shaking them cupcakes. Yeah. <laughs> Grab the cakes, Vince. <laughs> Doing a little choreography. Respect it. Would the pectorals be cupcakes? His are. Those would be cherries. Oh, the cherries. He was doing the eyebrow before The Rock. To be fair, The Rock didn't invent making one eyebrow higher than the other one. Oh, but boy, yes. he made it cool. Much yo. like Apple <laughs> didn't invent the smartphone, but The Rock really, really pushed it to the stratosphere. When I saw well, him his do that, I was like, oh my God, I want to. That man is a future billionaire. Yes. Oh man, Vince, it was, Vince was a future billionaire. And the Rock has millions of dollars. I need to go tape my eyebrow. <laughs> yes. I'll be right back. I'm a man running wild, headed for the top. Never slowing down, and I'm never going to stop. Along the way, you're going to see a lot of men drop. Baby, oh. watch them drop. Baby, baby. Hulk Hogan bass solo. Jake the Snake Roberts on the trumpet. <laughs> he is such an asshole. This is just such <laughs> ego-driven posturing that he's making everyone sing and dance to, which may be the perfect metaphor for what he actually did to wrestling. That, that is, he is, uh, uh, whenever he does pass away, because God, uh, God has to take him sleeping, probably. Um, <laughs> Never taking me alive. <laughs> no chance. <clears throat> yeah. Stand back, death. <laughs> Uh, thank you for perfectly capturing Vince's singing style, which is growl. He does have a growl, huh? Yeah. That's his, that's his, that's his, that's his thing. That's this his shit, deal. metalcore should have been a genre, not like big swing. Yeah, Vince, Vince could... Oh, yeah, stand yeah. back! Oh, Vince could very well be in that scene, I feel. <laughs> um, but when, when that day comes, his... Whatever his like big movie or autobiography or story of his life is Stand gonna be, Back, the Vince It's gonna be called Stand Back. Yes. Because this has haunted him for years. This particular song and the video Dance. is what is and was used by anyone looking to make Vince look like an idiot. <laughs> like like Stone Cold used it. The Rock used it. Uh 
Degeneration X used it. Triple H used it. Shawn Michaels used it. They all <laughs> used it when you needed to make Vince look stupid. You needed to like get him out on the uh, in the ring and then throw to like but but without him knowing throw to the back where they then put on the titantron this video and every time he would just go beat red <laughs> uh, that's awesome and it's his own fault but then again he's telling them to use it he has he doesn't there's a lot of, there's a lot of things wrong with Vince but one of the things that's one of the few things that's good about Vince is that he has a sense of humor about himself. <laughs> but that's it, guys. Stand Back was my big finale. You guys uh, aren't to... blown away appropriately, I feel, for Stand Back. I, you know what? I've it... taken a step back. That's how blown away I was. <laughs> but that was the Was rest... that on the album, too? Yeah. Wow. That was the wrestling album. That's what made it go gold. That's what pushed wow. it over. No, only the first one went gold. The second oh. one did not. This was on the second one. But that was, and again, that's just three years. That's like, 85 to 88 I uh, these these two albums are pulled from there's plenty more terrible wrestling music possibly for future episodes for future yeah. episodes now Steve uh, as you'll be going to Wrestlemania in a little under a week do you have any hopes that they'll do a live encore stand back would you lose your mind if they put that on the Jumbotron like display to be honest with eight hours of professional wrestling to watch I really don't need them to add any shit. <laughs> Just... oh, that's fair. Uh, well, what an enlightening uh, episode, Steve. Thank you so much for bringing all that yeah. research. And uh, guys, thank you so much for listening. Uh, you can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You can find us at thesongtopsyreport.com or just check out dapperdevilproductions.com if you want to see kind of the whole shebang of what we do. Uh, and you can follow me personally on Twitter and Instagram at uh, Nick Brigadier and uh, Mr. Mike Russell. Yes, you can see my stuff at well, now, DapperDevilsProduction.com or Mr. Mike we, Russell. We, all three of us can't say that. Oh, shit. No, we got to plug it three times over. Oh, yeah, it's a new yeah, website. Just it looks check nice. out my Instagram at MrMikeRussell.com. That's MrMR.D-O-T. And, uh, yeah, like next time, uh, check, it, you know, check out some more episodes on the Spotify, Apple Podcasts, the website. This is a great place to listen. And uh, send us a review, an email, and uh, what your intro song would be if you were a professional wrestler that's actually a pretty good one yeah i this is the first steve time is, steve has yeah. been agonizing over this yeah. decision the whole episode this is the first time i'd be interested to know <laughs> every other time you've said that i i blacked out for a few seconds until you were done steve has lost an hour <laughs> of his life over this podcast he's never gotten back and where may we find you uh, you may find me on uh the social meads at twitter and instagram at your mantrolo on the aforementioned website uh, where you can write little things and it will go to the website. And uh, I won't be reading it, but if you want to send stuff to me through that, I'm sure the person who does read it will tell me about it. Just DM Steve directly in all of his social Crack needs. squad of savvy, motivated personnel. <laughs> <laughs> well, guys, thank you so much for listening. I'm Nick Breedier. I'm Mike Russell. And I'm gonna... <laughs> <laughs> and we will see you next week. Take care. <laughs> Look at those boobs! <laughs> ah. It's a Dapper Devil production, see?